So they read distinctly from the book, say from the book, in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Uh-huh. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, Amen. Drink the sweet. Oh, that he's talking about sweet tea right there. Okay. Sweet tea. Uh-huh. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. It's holy to you, but it's holy to him. This day is holy to him. That's why we should be in church. Wow. For, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord. For the joy, His joy is your strength. I said His joy is your, not the joy of the world, the joy of the Lord that you can have any time. Father, in Jesus' name, bless this word as it goes forth. Don't just put it in our heads, but put it in our hearts. And we thank you for the change it's going to make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all the church says. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Fist bump somebody and say, this is going to be good. News is driven by bad things. The news cycle, they make money by throwing stories out there that make you upset and want to watch more, right? That's good. They want to create chaos. Didn't ask for that input, but I appreciate it. But what we have is good news. Come on. What we have in us, what we ha- our voice is good news. So after 70 years of captivity, they come together and they, they find the book of the law. And they really haven't been living the law for the last 70 years. The remnant has come out of Babylon. Most of the Jews are still in Babylon, but a remnant has come out to rebuild the temple. It's time to rebuild the house of God. So they come out and they begin to read the book. And people begin to weep. They begin to weep and repent and cry because they said, we didn't know. We didn't know this was here. We didn't know this was the law. We have not been keeping the law. And they began to weep and cry. And Nehemiah stood up and said, stop. I understand why you're crying. I understand you're in repentance mode. Amen. How many of you have just have sometimes just wept? And it weren't happy tears. There were just tears of sorrow. Tears of repentance. We understand that. That's real. Hello? That's real. But he stopped them. He said, I know you're mourning. I know you're repenting. It's, 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 it's a tearful moment. But he began to say, no, no, no. I want you to stop. This, is, this news will change your life. This is good news, not bad news. 
we're not giving you this news so you feel bad. We're giving you this news so you can feel good. We're giving you this news so your life will change. It is good news. We need to rejoice. And he says, and while you're throwing this party, while you're rejoicing, while you're eating and feasting and having a great time, remember those who don't have anything and send portions to them. What's that? What's that? That's outreach. Reach out to those who have not yet got the good news. Reach out to those who haven't received what you're receiving. I told you that this is the fifth word, right? We talked about joy. Then we talked about gather. And I told you that the strength of the church is in its gathering. And when you're not here, you take away from our power. You remember that when you're not here. You, you diminish us. Because it's not about individuals. It's about us. It's about the church. And the power of the church is in its gathering. And we're seeing the chain. We're seeing, we're seeing people get, beginning to get this and say, look, I really need to be in the house of the Lord. Not just for my sake, but for your sake. Oh, church, come on. We need to... The third word was faithful. And I said we, re, we need to redefine discipleship. We need to redefine maturity. What does it mean to be mature? Is it just about how many scriptures you know or how smart you are in the scriptures or how many spiritual gifts you have? So re, re, redefine what discipleship is. is. It's not just being a student. It's being a follower. And we said, said Jesus said, how will they know you're my disciples? By the way you love each other. That's how they know. Come on, church. That's how someone walking into the building will know we're authentic. We're the real deal. Amen. It's not about how good the sermon is, really. It's not about how good the singing is. It's about whether or not we love each other. And if there's unity and there's love in the house, then we're real. We're authentic. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ if we love each other. Jesus, help us. Oh, I want to preach all five words again. And then the, the fourth word was together. That we don't just gather, but we are to gather. We are, there's a direction to our gathering. And in Jesus, where two or three are together, I'm there. I'm already there. I'm in the midst. There's power there. There's anointing there. So the fifth word, of course, is, is harvest. And the fifth word is Good news. The harvest was always good news. You got to understand in our agricultural society, so the harvest, it was a time of great rejoicing. It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of rejoicing. And, and, and I remember growing up as a kid, I, I wasn't raised on a farm, but I was raised in the country. And during harvest time, when the, when the hay came in and stuff, then I, I would go. I'd, I'd help friends and family in, in, in the neighborhood, and we'd go out and bale hay all day long. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But at the end of the day, I'll always remember those times at the end of the day when the sun was going down and the work was over. And My dad, my dad played, played guitar. He was lead guitar. Uh, he worked for the railroad, but on the weekends, they partied. I mean, they were Catholic. So on the weekends, they would party. They, he had his own band, 
And so he'd break out the guitar and someone else would bring out an, an accordion or somebody would bring out some kind of the drum to beat on. Or I actually remembered the wash tub with a string and, and you pluck it. Yeah, my dad had one of those just for the fun of it. You know, he had one of those. But I remember everyone would break out the instruments and everyone would start playing. And it was a lot of work. But what a celebration. How, how fulfilled we... Uh, sometimes I wonder, church people really don't feel fulfilled anymore and don't have a lot of joy anymore because they're not working and they're not harvesting and they're not bringing anything in. And maybe we can have that sense of fulfillment if we can actually win someone to the Lord and say, that one's going to heaven because, you know, I testified. I, I shared this with them. Amen. We need to share the good news. He tells us to go into the highways, into the byways, and go invite the uninvitable, the untouchables. Go, go invite them and bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in. Amen. People were making excuses for not going, but he's, for not coming. Amen. That's church people making excuses. And by the way, they weren't bad excuses. But they were all, I've got more important things to do than come to your banquet. Isn't it neat that as you read through the scriptures, this whole thing of hospitality, this whole thing's about God inviting us to a banquet. And then they go all the way to the book of Revelation. In the last chapter it says, we're invited to the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. It's all about God wanting to feast and party with his people. He wants to dwell with us. There's not another religion that has that concept. Church people want to be angry, judgmental. Yourself. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Whew. I like that scripture. Oh, so many things come to mind. That scripture that says, Jesus came eating and drinking. He came eating and drinking. Oh, it upset, it upset the religious people. Yeah, he's over there again. He's down at the bar with those people. I heard he actually had dinner with a tax collector. I mean, tax collectors were the sinners among sinners. There was no greater sinner than a tax collector. And Jesus is over there, you know, cheers. <laughs> he's having a good old time with them. Amen. But religious people don't get that. Because we're not part of the holy huddle. Here's a scripture that literally changed my life several years ago. Romans 2. And I'm going to read it from three different versions. Romans 2, verse 3 and 4. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings. And from coming down on you hard. Or, or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. But here it is. You think this is going to go bad, but watch where this goes. In kindness, say in kindness. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. His kindness. Passion translation. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. 
Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? King James Version, New King James, obviously. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God, the goodness of God, the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So, well, what does God judge? God judge any, judges anything that's not, that doesn't conform to love. What does that word goodness mean in, in, in the Greek? It, 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 it's from a word that means that which is good or kind. The deeper meaning is to provide what is needed. The goodness of God, the kindness of God. That, that, that word is translated four or five different ways in different places. Sometimes it's mercy. Sometimes, have you heard that word, his loving kindness? Same word. Uh, the goodness, the kindness of God, the mercy of God. That's all. And that's what leads us to repentance. And, and, and some, of you, some of you would even testify that what got you saved was the fear of God. Some of you, right? But I'm here to tell you something. The fear of God might motivate you to get saved. But the fear of God will never keep you saved. Now, I'm not talking about the biblical definition of fear, which is a, an awe of fear, okay, and a respect of God. Wow, you're a, whew. yeah, that's not, I'm talking about fear like, you know, I just saw a ghost and I'm scared. The fear, fear. Listen, I think a lot of times the reason why people backslide is because they never got, they never learned the goodness of God. The fear of God got them saved, but after a while, you stop fearing. Sooner or later, you take His grace for granted, and those people usually fall away if they don't later discover the goodness. When when I got saved, you know, you know what got me saved? I, I read. I read David Wilkerson's book on prophecy in the last days. I don't know how I got that book. Somehow I got that book. People have been trying to testify to me, and I let them testify to me because my job in life at that point was to aggravate Christians. If I can get them mad, then I knew they weren't real. So I did everything I could to aggravate them. And the guy who was testifying to me was easily aggravated. Everything bothered him. He had a temper. And I just push that button and go, you ain't real, you ain't real, you ain't real. And he's the one that won me to the Lord. Be careful who you aggravate. That's a word to the saints, too. Be careful who you aggravate. There's a reason why they get under your skin. So, so, so I read that book, and what popped in my head was, wow, the Bible prophesied all these things, and they came to pass. So I began to look at it. And the more good was raised, you went to heaven because of the point system. If you do more good than bad, you get to go in. Now, that made sense. I mean, Mother Teresa's got all of you beat. Mother Teresa's, how many believe Mother Teresa's going to heaven is already there? Oh, some of you aren't sure. You're still not. Based on good works, Mother Teresa... And how many would, would agree with me that Adolf Hitler did not make it? How about Attila the Hun? 
Okay, okay, so, so, so the, the, you know, it's real easy to say, they're going to hell and they're going to heaven. My problem was, what about all of us in the middle? How many believe there's a shades of difference between each person? And I used to think, that's not fair. That's not fair. How does God know? There's no perfect heart. How does God know who can go to heaven and who doesn't go? How does he judge that? Can you imagine this whole line of people? We'll put Mother Teresa at the head of the line. We'll put Adolf Hitler at the end of the line. And God's going, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. And, but at some point, he has to draw a line. They say, well, that's not fair. We're not much different, and they're not. So God finally has to, I said, all right, all right, here's the difference. You gave 10 more dollars in the offering than you did. I mean, that's it. That's the difference. Is that fair? This is not fair. The point system is not fair. And yet the whole world has this concept in their mind that if you're good enough, you can go to heaven. If you have enough good works, you can go. Now, I believe in good works, but not to get to heaven. Good works won't get you to heaven. Good works are just your response to what God did for you. Amen. We just do good works because we love God. We do good works because he did good things for us. God is good, therefore I want to be good. We're not going to heaven because we're holy because I don't care how long you You still sin. I know it hadn't been in 20 years, but you still sin once in a while. Come on, church. No, no, no. We're going to heaven because we're saved. Amen. The thief on the cross just said, I believe in you, and boom, that was it. Amen. Come on, church. Hallelujah. It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. Amen. I didn't get saved because I was afraid, and some of you might have, might have gotten saved that way. But since then, you've learned about the goodness of God because the goodness of God won't just save you. It'll keep you. Amen. When you start to understand how good he is, how he healed me when I was sick, how he got me that job when I needed it, how he saved my marriage, how he saved my children, amen, how he gave me the answers when I needed it, amen, and even when I didn't hear from God, he was still there, amen, he was there when I was in the dark place, he was there when I was in the lonely place, he was there when I was confused, I didn't get the answers all the time, but he never left me, he never forsook me, amen, when, when the enemy came against me like a flood he raised up a standard against the devil amen no weapon formed against me shall prosper that's my Jesus that's the goodness come on and shout to the Lord that's the goodness of God how many of the story of the loving father oh you don't know you don't know no I mean the prodigal son Nowhere in that scripture is he called the prodigal. He thought he could do better on his own. That's why people don't get saved. So he took his inheritance and went off, but after he spent it all, listen, you may think you, you, may think you got it better, but listen, sooner or later, all you got is going to get spent. Because <sighs> everything this life has to offer can be taken away. In the pig pen, some lessons are only learned in the pig pen. In the pig pen, he says, wait a minute. My, my, the servants in my dad's house are eating better than this. I've got a good father. He, uh, you know, I didn't appreciate it, but he was always good. To, he never withheld anything. He, whew, I've got a good father. I'm, I'm going to go back. 
I'm going to repent. I'm going to say I'm sorry for what I did. And I'm willing, listen, I'm willing to be the lowest of servants just to be back with my father. See, that's really where repentance is. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to go back because because being the lowest person in God's house is better than being on top in the devil's realm. Amen. I'd rather be with him. Amen. Because the goodness of God. What caused the son to repent? He repented because of the goodness of the father. How many get it? How many got it? How many got it? How many got it? I believe sometimes you got to preach hellfire uh, sermons. I understand all that. We need to understand the consequences. But people really don't stay saved because they're afraid of God. They stay saved because they love God. And here's the thing. The father threw him a party. Threw him a party. The religious brother didn't like it. Well, that's another sermon. (laughs) Amen. But the father supplied all that was needed. It was the goodness of God that changed. What does repent mean? It means to change your mind. Repent. To change your mind. That's, that's That's what does it. Romans 12, too, right? You know the scripture. Or Romans 12, 12, 2, 4. Yeah, Romans 12, 2. There it is. And do not be, say it with me, conformed to this world, but be by the what? Renewing of your mind. That's repentance. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've heard people teach that that's three levels of God's will. That's nonsense. Those are three adjectives describing God's will. It is good. It is, it is good. It is acceptable. It is perfect. God's will is good. It's perfect. It's acceptable. That, that, that changes everything. The goodness of God changes everything. You know, some of us are like, remember the parable of the talents? One got ten, one got five, one got one. The one, the one that got one buried it. Why? He said, because I knew you were a hard man. And when we have a, a conception of God as a hard man, we tend to bury what we have instead of using what we have. But when we understand he's a good, good father... Then we don't mind investing what he gave us. Matthew, oh, I don't know where to go here. Let's do Matthew 25, 23. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be loyal and trustworthy servant because you were faithful to manage a small sum. I'll put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the light of your master who will say to you, Come celebrate with me. King James, enter the joy of the Lord. Serving God is not a burden. It's a joy. Verse 24. Okay? One had been trusted with a thousand gold coins, came to his master and said, look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please, and you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. Is that the way? That's, that's how some people look at God. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. Hard man? Well, first of all, if you thought it was a hard man, you wouldn't have buried it anyway. Remember, goodness means to provide what is needed. 
Matthew 11, verse 28. i got to hurry. You ready? Are you tired? I think some of you are this morning. Wore out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, that's oh, that's deep. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. My yoke is, my burden is. Imagine a moment that yoke that they put on those two oxen. Big old ch- a beam of wood, big old thing. Two of us couldn't carry it. Well, Will and, well, Joe could. Um, can you imagine that big chunk of wood on you? And all the, the things in your mouth and the ropes and, the, and the, all the stuff, and they're whipping you. And, and He didn't say, I don't have a yoke. He said, my yoke is easy. And I got a vision of that. Did you ever get a vision? Not a dream, a vision. I don't get these too often. The Lord showed me those oxen and I, in a vision. Boom, there it was. Because in English, there's two meanings of the word light. One means not heavy. The other one is light. And in the vision, instead of this heavy yoke on these two oxen, I saw like points of light on the oxen. And the, and the, and the ropes back to the, back to the guy who was running it was all lights, sp- sprinkling, sparkling lights. Because when you think of a yoke, you think heavy. It rubs you raw. It's heavy. It's an instrument of control, and it's ill-fitting. But can you imagine being yoked in light? Isn't God light? No wonder it's easy. He didn't say, I didn't have a yoke. He said, I am in charge of your life. But my yoke is easy, and my burden is In other words, what's on you is me. What's on you. In other words, we need to follow the wind instead of always trying to follow the rule. Some of us are just, our mission in life is to get people to follow the rules. Listen, when, when when you're serving God just out of fear, all you have is a little can. You got a light. But, it, but how easy is it for the wind to blow that light out? Pretty easy. Isn't it interesting that the same wind that blows the candle out will get a forest fire going? How many times you hear about the fires out west? They said, we're praying, we're hoping that the wind will come down. Because the wind is actually driving. So the same wind that blows out a candle sets a forest on fire. When you stop following rules and follow the wind, if you're just afraid all the time of doing something wrong and God is, a, can I do this and get away with it and all this kind of stuff, and, and you just fear God and you live, you live with this constant religion on your head about performing and God won't love me if I don't do this. Amen. You've, you've got a light, but, but when God begins to blow, it just, it just blows out. You can't, you can't handle the wind. <laughs> Glory to God. 
But if you can catch fire when the wind blows, it'll spread you. It'll, it'll put you all, amen, it'll, it'll multiply your ministry and your influence all over the place. If you'll just get into the goodness of God. It's time to go out into the highways and byways and invite the world to the banquet. Share. Share the goodness of God. Julie was in the, you were in the room, something struck me as you were praying for me before, you and the team were praying for me before church. She said, I was out on the street yesterday, and I'm thinking, wait, 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 what? In that snow and ice and cold and wind and sleet, and I don't know what it was doing. They were out there knocking on doors, and, and she's 39 years old. Love you, Julie. Right? We ought to make her elder emeritus. <laughs> Come on, church. Her and her team, I'm not sure who was with you. You didn't mention it, but Regina was there. She's only 19. Out there in the wind and cold and snow, praying through the neighborhoods. Every Saturday they go at 1 o'clock. Ah, ah, the goodness. It's a game changer. If we can get a hold of this, if we can get a hold of this, our witness. See, you need to just you say, well, I'm not trained to lead people to the Lord. You don't have to be trained. Just tell them what God did for you. And you know what? They can't argue with that. They can argue theology, but they can't argue your This is what happened to me, and I believe it can happen to you. I believe it's time. Oh, my goodness. Don't, don't miss next Sunday's sermon. We're going to talk about canoeing in the mountains. You can't do that, Pastor. Uh, you, you come watch me. I'm going I'm I'm to teach you how to canoe in the mountains. Oh, you play that song. You start messing me up. My funeral. Remember. remember. I, I think I want go rest high on that mountain, too. I think I want that one. Gloria would say, no, we're not playing that. We're not. Oh, I feel the Lord. If we can understand that we're inviting people, not to something bad, we're inviting them to a and that's why when you walk through these doors, in fact, when you come in the parking lot, let's back it up. When you leave the house on your way to church, listen, we don't come to church just so we can get fixed from last week or get ready for next week. Another reason we come to church is to celebrate what he's done and to testify about what he's going to do. And that's why when they sing these songs, whether you like the rhythm or you know, whether, oh, that's not the, listen, it, listen to the words and sing the words. If you're a bad singer, sing it quietly. God loves a joyful noise. I know. We don't. Um, <laughs> the point is to be joyful, to come in here with a mindset, I'm here to worship. I love to get blessed. I have needs. I have things. But listen, I'm here to worship. I'm here to celebrate. Oh, come on, church. How many, how many different ways can I say it? When we come, I'm here to celebrate what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. Sometimes you need to praise on credit. Whew. Some of you only operate on, on debit praise. <laughs> 